Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 71, Chaya Hinda Allen, Educator and Transformation Coach. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. Do you think you can harness the power of your imagination to create the life you want? My guest says you can. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm talking to renowned educator and transformation coach, Chaya Hinda Allen. And there couldn't be better timing because we are in the second week of the month of Elul, a highly auspicious time for self-transformation and growth in the three key relationships in our lives with ourselves, with God and with others. So to help us get into the spirit of the month, I have Chaya Hinda Allen with us today. Chaya Hinda gives life-changing workshops to thousands of women around the world, helping them transform their lives and their relationships. These classes help women gain the practical tools that guide them in a personalized way through a step-by-step process to bring more happiness, inner peace, better relationships, success, and closeness with God into their lives. Chaya Hinda and I talk about how she got started and she became the Torah educator that women love and know today. Not surprisingly, it all began with her own struggle. We discuss the power of guided imagery, a huge part of her work, and why it is key to the work she teaches her students to engage in. I don't know about you, but the idea of using the power of my mind, my imagination, for my benefit is super exciting to me. Because you know where that good old imagination can take us, right? Sometimes it's not such a pretty place. Also, if you've ever wanted to understand the difference between emuna, faith, and bitachon, security or trust, Chaya Hinda gives us a wonderful, beautiful explanation. Women who get coached by Chaya Hinda not only are growing in their amuna and living more joyful, relaxed lives and improving their relationships, but as a result of this, they're also making transformations in their professional and financial lives as well. That is super awesome. The Torah has it all, ladies. All the help we need to be the best version of ourselves is in there, but we actually have to put in the work. Thankfully, there's people like Chaya Hinda to help us and guide us through the process. Here's the wonderful Chaya Hinda Allen. And be sure to listen till the end because I have a terrific discount offer for anyone who would like to join Chaya Hinda's newest program, Living Consciously with Chaya Hinda Allen. But if you're impatient, let me just tell you, you can check it out at www.jewishworkshops.com forward slash Chaya Hinda. Here's Chaya Hinda Allen. Alan, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Yael, this is a great, great privilege and pleasure to be together with you here today. I'm very impressed with your work and I love what you're doing in highlighting and spotlighting all kinds of the work of special women around the world. And I'm incredibly honored that you've decided to, uh, to take an interest in what I'm doing. Thank you so much for inviting me. The honor is mine. And also you should know that anyone with a beautiful British accent is more than welcome here. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but I'm very, I was very intentional in choosing the introduction to my show with this beautiful British woman speaking. I don't know if you've heard it. <laughs> That's but very funny. It is. It is. My kids make fun of it, but it, that was very intentional. So there you go. You, you fit right in. 
Okay, good. So, Chaya Hinda, I'm really, the truth is I'm excited to to chat with you and become more serene and joyful by having <laughs> our conversation here today because I feel like you have this Midas touch, as they say, when it comes to helping women become calmer and strengthen their faith and become more joyous, joy, joyful individuals um, and maybe even like bridge that disconnects that we sometimes have between what we know we should do and how we are, our emotion, what our emotional responses to circumstances should be and what we actually do. And you're bri- helping women bridge that gap. So before we get to your fabulous work, I do want you to give us some background and tell us how did Chaya Hinda get here? Um, I often have guests who have struggled in a particular area of life and from that struggle came all this that they're now producing and giving to the world. Was that your case? What was your story that got you to where you are today? Well, the truth is that um, one of my frequently quoted sayings is that I, um, whilst the world says that necessity is the mother of invention, I prefer to say that pain is the mother of invention because even if someone thinks that they need something, they still may not go out and get it until the pain is beyond the threshold where they can actually take it anymore. And once the pain tips them, then they start making a move. And yeah, I believe that pretty much all good that has come into the world has come because of pain. Uh, yeah, I had my, uh, I had ups and downs, all kinds of challenges. Basically, in, um, you know, we were a young family living in Eretz Yisrael without uh, a lot of support from family. Meaning our family was in Chuslar supporting us, but uh, distant, you know, they were very far away. And so we were very busy encouraging other young families here in, uh, in our, you know, fledgling community here in Beitar. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so as our children grew up and there really weren't any um, older, more established families around, as is the case often when new communities spring up and the young families move out to where building is affordable. Um, so we found ourselves kind of isolated when dealing with challenges in raising our family. And um, and so whilst trying to find answers, um, I went to lots of lots of different places. And one of the places that I went was, I, I really was guided, was to the home of uh, Lady in B'nai Brak, who was hosting a series by the Rabbinate Sarius at the time. Mm-hmm. And what I heard from her, one of the major teachings that I took from her is about how we create our inner scenarios within ourselves through using guided imagery and how that can help change our feelings. Now, at that time, I didn't understand the power of our feelings that Hashem, Yisbarach, who created us, the Rabbanishal, the master of the world, who made us, he, he crafted our souls and he crafted our emotions and he crafted our, uh, our, our physical existence. He, all, he gave us feelings and he also responds to our feelings. So this is part of how we create a relationship with Hashem, just as in any kind of relationship, that if we're feeling love towards a person, we're creating a very positive kind of relationship with that person. If we're feeling very frustrated with the person. We're going to create a different kind of relationship with that person. So it is with Hashem. The way mm-hmm. that we feel towards our lives and towards Hashem is going to it's going to create a momentum. It creates the dynamic within that relationship. And so our, what I later learned as we began, began to look into this more is that we create, we are actually responsible for the dynamic of our relationship with Hashem. Um, when we say, now we're, it's, it's an Elo, we say, Ani li, I am for Hashem and Hashem is for me. This begins with me. Mm-hmm. And so we need to accept 
a lot of responsibility upon ourselves for our response to whatever Hashem has given us. Hashem gives us a whole lot, a whole lot of sometimes painful and challenging situations, but our response to that and how we approach the future is then the beginning of the dynamic of how Hashem is then going to respond to us. So what I understood then, sitting in this class with Rabbi Nassar Yosef, was that we can change the way that we feel by changing the way that we think. Right. So it's not that our thoughts are necessarily creating reality, which is definitely a line that people will will espouse, but that our thoughts change the way that we feel. And a Kaddish Baruch Hu responds to the way that we feel. And a Kaddish Baruch Hu responds to the way that we think. So that nothing is created from our thoughts and nothing is created from our feelings. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu responds with transforming our lives in response to the way that we're thinking and feeling. Meaning so, there's a spiritual mirror image, right? The yes. way we we are machshaba divurmeister, our thought, speech, and action here in this world, there is a reflection and that's what, you know, it's reflected back to us. Yes? Right. Yes. Many women, sometimes when they begin to understand uh, the power of thought and the power of speech, they all of a sudden begin to be very frightened. All of a sudden, I'm creating with my thoughts. I'm creating with my speech. No. HaKadosh oh. Baruch Hu is the creator. He's the one that creates. He responds to us, but he's still the balabayit. He's still the boss. And mm-hmm. he, he hasn't given us uh, the power to create against his will. But he responds to our thoughts and feelings and um and he allows, exactly he allows us to have input and so we have to whilst whilst not taking ultim, whilst not thinking ourselves too big right we have to understand that we have a great part in that momentum in that relationship just as i have a great part in any relationship that i'm in yes i right so in any relationship i am responsible for what i bring to that relationship 100 percent Right. So that's the main thing that that's where I began is from from the search from the pain of not really knowing how to help myself out of all kinds of feelings about people will see me now will say that's not true. Hyinda. But yes, I was very stressed. I was very anxious. I was very uh, frustrated and uh, sad. Um, I had a lot of difficulties that but I didn't know how to get out of that that those frustrations were they I'm, I, I'm not sure if I got it. Were they in terms of parenting? Were you at the stage where you were maybe parenting teenagers? Was it community? What exactly was the big trigger that was putting you in a in a in that state of mind that wasn't optimal um so definitely i would say maybe a third of the challenges that we were going through was uh related was related to um a few different children uh in different in different kinds of situations that that needed uh help that i didn't know exactly what to do but there was there were other things as well things within the community things with um trying to trying to create balance in all kinds of different in all kinds of different ways right. all kinds of different relationships all kinds of different situations uh that were just very very big and at the time they were they they appeared to me to be too big for me to to handle and so i was really i was really failing really falling uh, i felt like i was living under a black cloud mm. and not knowing just simply not knowing how to help myself and i just want to give some context Sarah Yosef is the daughter of Rav Ovadia Yosef, correct? The daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law. Okay, there we go. All right. Yes. So so you go to this class, you start learning these concepts and uh, applying them into your life. At what point do you, do you, are you confident enough to start sharing? When does that transition happen? Well, soon after, let me just backtrack a little bit. Sure. Okay? Because actually before I went to, the, to, to that class, um, one day I, um, I was really, I was really begging and dabbing 
talking to Hashem that he should send me some guidance like how to get myself out of this uh, rut and I remember that I felt guided to taking a little booklet out of my bookshelf which was which had been written by Rav Moshe Erlanger who mm-hmm. was a very big educator in Yerushalayim and the book was about Simcha and the main message of the book was that Simcha is not a res- happiness is not a response to um, fortuitous circumstances but it is the cause of things changing for the better and that if we want things to change we have to help ourselves to be happy as a choice that we can make. And so I, I understood that point that if Hashem had given me a very difficult change situation that I did not know how to get out of, I could choose happiness even if I didn't know where things were going to go, mm-hmm. but I could make that choice. And even if I couldn't choose happiness for anybody else at that time, I could choose it for myself. For myself, right. And Simcha pours together. Simcha breaks all barriers. It's not exactly. a joke. It's actually true. Yeah. And so that was really, really the beginnings. After that, I was guided to, a, to take a different course and from that course I was guided to the Rabbi Nassar Yosef and after I finished with the Rabbi Nassar Yosef and I understood that I could actually change the way that I felt inside through the way that I use my mind because I have a very vivid imagination yeah. and I can always imagine like the worst case scenarios very vividly <laughs> and so I was constantly living in like this panic of who knows what's going to be but as soon as I understood I don't need to imagine that I could actually guide my mind to all kinds of other places instead mm-hmm. and when I learned how to do that it was an incredible relief and, and so that point I, I approached the rabbinist and I asked her could I please share this material in English because I was like you know this needs to be available to English speaking women around the world I've never heard of all of this mm-hmm. and she said sure we, we created a, 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 a business agreement together and I began by inviting a group of five friends actually I just bumped into one of them the other day and she says do you remember when I just came to your house and uh, <laughs> and laughed at you while you tried to teach this material anyway basically I just kind of begged them come and listen to me and they came and they just threw questions at me how do you know this and how do you know that and where'd you get this from and I'm like okay I really need to go and do a lot of homework I really need to do a lot of research and so for the next couple of years my husband and I scoured sources with the help of uh Rabbanim and other educators around, amongst them prominently was um, Shmuel David Hart here of the of the Immunus um, Israel community. And he helped us a lot. He guided us a lot to discover what are the feelings that Hashem wants us to live with and what are the main ways of acquiring those feelings and what difference does it make if we live with those feelings or not. If we think about the six mitzvahs to medios, the six constant mitzvahs that the Sefer HaChiloch brings, they're feelings. Emuna is a feeling. Right. Uh, Devekis, attachment to Hashem is a feeling. Love of Hashem is a feeling. Awe of Hashem is a feeling. And so most of the constant mitzvahs are constant feelings that we are supposed to live with. And so since Hashem has commanded us these constant mitzvahs, especially to love Him, over and over again, the Torah writes and commands us to love Hashem. And this is very obviously a feeling. And the Rambam says that whilst we're not commanded to achieve a certain level, because you can't command the feeling, but we have to try. Meaning the mitzvah is to attempt, to put in the effort to create that feeling and to do things that will lead us to feel those feelings. So the Torah is full of instruction about how to guide ourselves within ourselves to the feelings that are going to be the way Hashem wants us to live. And people who are living happily with trust, with forgiveness, with generosity of spirit, with love, these are happy people. These, this is the ideal way to live. And not only, uh, whilst you mentioned a lot about serenity and peace in the beginning and happiness, but the physical benefits are so incredibly powerful. A woman just told me the other day, after six weeks of listening to the guided imagery and understanding more about 
faith and trust. Uh-huh. She had a major heart condition and she'd had a failed heart surgery. And they told her she to come back and have another heart surgery. This is major, major. And she told me when she went back after six weeks of, of in my program, they told her it's gone. Uh-huh. It's better. Okay. This just, she just told me this last week. Now stories like this abound. That's like an intense story, but all kinds of stress can um, can appear, stress symptoms can appear within the body. Uh, a young man I was just speaking to the other day, the son of of a, a, a dear friend who's been with me, my programs for, for maybe, I don't know, six years or something. And she asked me, would I please speak with her son? He's been suffering from all kinds of intense, uh, intense stress symptoms. And together we were able to trace it to a very intense thought pattern that has been creating anxiety within him for over for tens of years mm. and it is my sincere belief that with 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 guidance we're going to be able to help him to he meaning he came to because his 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 uh, physical symptoms were so severe that he couldn't function for, for for a very long time that through change the way that we think and feel we can make transformative changes in our health and allow the natural body the, the power of the body to heal itself when we rid it of the, of the stress that is sapping it of its strength. So there are many, many different benefits. So you use, you mentioned the guided imagery, and I know this is a huge part of your work. Um, what What is it specifically, and, and why is this such a key component? Meaning it's not just listening to classes. It, it, it really, you take it to that next level to rewire your brain um, through the use of guided imagery. So talk to us about that. Okay, first of all, Jewishly, we have to understand that uh, there's a tremendous body of traditional literature talking about how images that are stored in the mind impact deeply on our choices. One of the outstanding examples we can remember is of Yosef Atzadik, who yes. when he didn't want to sin with Potiphar's wife, he conjured up the image of his father Yaakov Avinu, and exactly. then he was then he was saved from sin. So this was an internal image that he had within himself that was able to protect him. If you saw Salanta discusses how the the importance of guiding our minds to create the images that will create the feelings that we want. And so this is something that is authentic and traditional. That's just, first of all, to understand that. So guiding our minds is not something that a person can do very easily because as... Um, Rav Yisrael, Rav, I mean, sorry, Rav Desla frequently uh, quoted scientific discoveries about the mind and physiology just so that we could understand how Akash Baba created us, which mm-hmm. helps us to understand our own selves. And so recent scientific discoveries called about neuroplasticity of the brain, right. the way that the brain works, is that when I was a child, it used to be understood that basically the brain develops till age, I don't know, 16, 18, and then it stops and it basically begins to deteriorate from there. But that's not that's not the, 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 the model that science is working with today but on the contrary that the brain is constantly developing and every thought every action every word creates a a neural pathway in the brain that the brain therefore is now wired towards that way of thinking speaking or acting mm-hmm. this is how we create habits i was once speaking it o- over with a nurse and she said it's the tremendous kindness of hashem that he created us able to acquire habits yes because that way we don't have to think every second about how we eat or how we breathe meaning the 
the way that I speak at this point, you say that I have a British accent, but the truth is I'm married to an, an American for so many years that I don't really have a, you know, a standard <laughs> British accent. But if I had to think about how to pronounce every word, it would be a real strain, right, on the brain. So I don't have to think about it because my, my habit of speaking, it's just that's the way that I speak. And it's the same as the way we brush our teeth and everything else that we do. We do it by habit, so we don't have to think about it. But that also means that if you want to change a habit, we have to put in effort initially to create a new neuropathway. Right. So the good news, what Rav Desta says, is that anybody that wants to create for themselves a new habit, all he has to do is imagine himself acting out that new habit the way that he wants to behave. And then through, through even just imagining that habit, this is Rav Desta already, you know, after Second World War, he was, he was saying this. Within about 60 years ago, he already knew this. If we repeat in our minds imagining how we would like to act and prepare ourselves, then we will be able to do it when the time comes. And he brings the example of Rabbi Akiva, who said that he practiced every night giving up his life for Hashem. When he said Krishna, when he said Shema every single night, that's what he was imagining. And that's why he was able to do it. And that's what he answered to his students who said, how can you have the presence of mind at this time of excruciating agony to be able to give yourself up to Hashem to such a degree? And that was his answer because I've prepared for this moment my whole life. So when a person has in mind what he would like to do and how he would like to change. That can impact upon ourselves. And simply through imagining it enough times within our mind, we can help ourselves to create within ourselves that new kind of behavior. Not only that, but Rav also explains, if we want to feel the emotions of emuna, of faith, and of trust, being able to really rely on Hashem, we have to take examples from real life in order to help ourselves to feel those emotions. So how can mm-hmm. a person believe that something can take place if they don't even know what it is? So we have to create within our minds uh, an image, a scenario, a representation to ourselves of what would be if I would have the salvation that I'm hoping for. And actually, the, um, the, one second, I'm trying to remember the name of the Rebbe who said this. I'm just going to actually find this. Excuse me for one second. <laughs> uh, but there was a, a Rebbe who was in prison in Romania. I'm going to mm. get the name in a second. And he said, he was asked, how could he, how could he uh, create songs with such devacus and attachments and happiness to Hashem whilst he was in prison in Romania when there, there was no promise he was going to get out? How would he, how did he know that he was going to be saved? And he said, even in the darkest times, a Jew has to be so confident in Hashem's salvation that he prepares a song of praise as if he's already been saved. Right. It's like the women in Mitzrayim. Exactly. That he has to be able to see it as if. It doesn't mean I'm telling Hashem what to do. It means that I have to prepare within my mind, well, what could be? What what, what am I hoping for? Mm-hmm. And if I don't have that, then I cannot feel trust or faith that it could happen. Um, and so we have to put in time. Here we go. The skull in a Rebbe. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> the yes. skull in a Rebbe who was in Romania. And he created a niggin. He created a song to the words of the verse in Tehillim. Mahulal ekra Hashem umin I call to Hashem in praise and I will be saved from my enemies. And Rashi says on that, even before the Yeshua comes, I praise Hashem because I'm confident that I'll be saved. And so this is what Rav Desla is telling us, that in order to feel the feelings of faith, and trust. We have to use our imagination to imagine the scene as if, as if I've already been saved. How will I feel when I've already been saved? And then I can allow myself to feel that kind of confidence now, even if I didn't yet 
get there. And it's a process. It's not so simple. It takes a lot of time. And these are the kinds of quotes and sources that I was busy then working with my husband for those couple of years Mm -hmm. until we were ready to say, okay, now we have a program that will give you the sources, the, the authentic Torah view of how is a person supposed to acquire those feelings of faith and trust and love and forgiveness and generosity? How do we go about creating those feelings within ourselves? And so just to go back to answering your, your earlier question is that after we had that ready and I we had those sources ready, the word got out that I had this program and people just started to ask me to give that program. Mm. And then the results began to speak for themselves. When women began the practice of listening to the guided imagery. And I would encourage them every day because it's not, it's not something that we, can, that we can do if we don't set aside time for it. We know that in Mitzrayim, when the Jews were in Egypt, that they didn't have the time even to think. Once they had time to think and call out to Hashem, then the salvation began. And so in our generation, we're so busy, we're so distracted that, uh, uh, I mean, you probably know this, but uh, in marketing, it's a, it's a known fact that the a person has a time span of about, you know, I don't know, what is, what is it, 10 seconds? Seven Maybe seconds. seconds, how long seven. a person? Seven or 17, I can't remember, but it's really something incredible. <laughs> yeah, very easy. And so if we want to train our brain, then we have to really give ourselves the best chance at having it work. And so we need, we need to put aside time. We need to create a sense of calmness. We need to separate ourselves from the here and now that is very loud and intense that we're living in and take ourselves off in our minds to a quiet place where we can give ourselves the chance to, to create those new neural pathways in our brain. And when women have done that, they have consistently come out with positive results. Do they always achieve their life changes that they want? Not necessarily, because Hashem's still running the world. But we will always achieve the results from ourselves that we want, because that is in our control. Meaning, a woman who wants to become a more calmer, happy, um, fulfilled individual within herself, she will always find improvement in those areas. And I, do, I also want to mention that it it has to trickle into relationships as well, doesn't it, Chaya Sarah? When you're doing the work, it also will affect your relationships with your spouse, with your children. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody who does any kind of internal work in themselves and becomes a better person, especially when it comes to emuna and bitach and to faith and trust, if we look at bad midos, bad character traits, most likely and most often it's a lack of faith that is driving them. For example, if a person is very jealous, a lot of the time it's because they don't have the faith to understand that everything that I need, I'm going to receive from Hashem. Hashem has for everybody an abundance, plenty. Right. And so so as, as soon as the person grows in faith and in trust in Hashem, so many of the areas where they were struggling with other character traits are going to be improved. And so they're going to feel a very great change in their relationships and people are going to respond to them much more differently. People, everybody who begins to understand how to love another person unconditionally, which is what I try very hard to teach. When, a, when another person in our life begins to feel loved unconditionally, they're going to respond to that. Exactly. Everybody wants unconditional love. You will appreciate this. I was teaching a gratitude workshop recently and I found that the, and we were discussing specifically the Modeani prayer that we say every morning and what, uh, what I was teaching there is that they recently found that it takes exactly 12 seconds for those neural pathways to transfer something into short-term knowledge to actually ingrain long-term knowledge. And of course, it, 
it, everybody should realize that the modeani, which we say every single morning, is those exact 12 words, those 12 wow. seconds. Isn't that so powerful? Yes. Like when Beautiful. we really meditate on that gratitude, you know, when we actually take those 12 ca- seconds in the way that we should, not just mumbling right. the words, right? We're really training our brain and graining that into ourselves. Not beautiful? It's very beautiful. Yes. And that's the way that we can begin our days like that. And that way we train our brain throughout the day. Exactly. Exactly. So you touched on Amuna and Bitachon. And I want to, both words are, are used. And I want you to see if you could help listeners understand those two concepts, which are sometimes intertwined. They're not exactly the same. So help, give us, help us here to find them. Okay. So how I like to, to share this is, um, let's imagine two really good friends. Okay. We'll call them Shifra and Rivka. Okay. okay. Shifra and Rivka have been friends and neighbors for over 35 years and they've shared great times and they've shared hard times. They've always been there for each other and their, their homes are right next to each other. And Shifra's husband said like, why even go out the door? Let's just knock down the wall, you know, just make a, a window into her house because they, you know, they're constantly in each other's houses and helping each other out. Okay. They're really good friends. So one morning Shifra wakes up and she says she doesn't have any milk and she says, okay, no problem. I'll go borrow from Rivka. So she goes out, knocks on Rivka's door and Rivka opens the door. She says, I I can't help you. And she just closes the door. (laughs) Okay. So Shifra says, oh boy, like, wow. I don't know what's with Rivka right now, but I guess I'll speak to her later and see what's going on. Okay. I'll figure out where to get milk from somewhere else. She goes and borrows milk. Okay, Mrs. Cohen has just moved into the same apartment block that day. And she also doesn't have any milk. And she knocks on Rivka Lewis's door. Okay, uh, so Miss, Mrs. Lewis, uh, Rivka, not, opens the door. And exactly the same reaction. I can't help you. And closes the door. Okay, Mrs. Cohen looks at the name Lewis on the door. And she says, I don't want to... I don't want to come by this door again. I'm just going to remember who who's this, okay? And she goes off to try and find milk somewhere else. Later that day, Shifra meets Mrs. Mrs. Carwood. She says, oh, welcome to our building. I'm so excited that you're here. And you've got to meet my, my really good friend, Rivka Lewis. She's <laughs> such a, an amazing woman. She is such a balas chesed. She does kindness for everybody in the neighborhood. And Mrs. Carwood is like, Lewis? In her mind, she's like, no way. I don't want to hear anything about this woman. She's crazy nuts, right? Okay, so what's the main difference between Shifra's response to what Rivka did and Mrs. Carwin's response to what Rivka did? So Shifra comes with a whole set of experiences that 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 bring her to understand that something must be off that day, but it's she still does, it doesn't affect what she knows about Shifra. Uh, no, about Rivka, sorry. <laughs> right, exactly. It does affect what she knows. So what she knows is Rivka's a good woman. She's a friend. She's right. been there always. She loves me. She cares for me. This is her knowledge. That's the That's reality that she knows. That's mm-hmm. her emuna about mm-hmm. Rivka. Mm-hmm. Okay? She believes that Rivka is only loves her and cares for. There must be some really good reason why what's going on. She has faith in her friendship mm-hmm. and in the relationship. And so she can therefore trust that this woman is, is still there for her because of how she believes, because of how she knows Rivka. That's her belief. All of her beliefs about who Rivka is created because of her, her really strong connection and her relationship from all these years, allow her to now trust in this situation. This is just like, this is not who she is. This is just some really oddball, what's, something's going on in her life. Mrs. Cohen, on the other hand, has no prior relationship whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so she creates a belief on the spot. This woman is, is crazy. Now, later that day, 
Rivka comes over to Shifa. Oh my gosh, Yankee fell out of the bunk bed. The, the, his teeth were, were bleeding. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't even find his teeth. She tells us this whole crazy story about what was going on. And Shifa says, oh my gosh, like I knew something crazy was going on. But okay, it's like there's no blip in their relationship because of what happened. Now, when it comes to Mrs. Cohen, she's like, I'm so embarrassed. You know how I opened the door to that Mrs. Cohen, this new neighbor. Okay, she says, I'm going to go make a cake for Shabbos. And she makes her a cake and she sets, she sends her a meal. And with the foot, with the first time Mrs. Cohen gets something from Mrs. Lewis, she's like, um, okay. Like she'll, she'll be a little bit suspicious, but over the next couple of weeks, all of a sudden Rivka begins to show her true colors and she begins to understand that her first, her first impression wasn't the truth about about who she is. And she begins to then create a new relationship. So when we have belief about who a person is and about the relationship, that can allow us to trust in specific circumstances for specific outcomes. So Shifra, because she knows and believes Rivka to be her good friend and to care for her, she can trust that everything is going to be okay. This, you know, we still have a relationship. This is not going to impact anything terrible for the future. She can trust that there's a really good reason why this is taking place. Mrs. Cohen, on the other hand, has no belief at all about who this person is. And so she has no trust that everything's going to be okay because she doesn't have any belief to fall back on. So the belief is the foundation. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have to keep pouring more and more into the foundation. Once we have a foundation of belief, then we can build trust upon that. Right. But the Ramban says that you, you can, the belief is the tree and then the tree can create fruit and the truth, the fruit. The fruit of the tree is trust, but you cannot have fruit without a tree. You can have a tree without fruit. You can have a muna. You can have faith without having trust. It hasn't yet developed into trust, but you can't have trust without having a tree. Trust cannot exist without the fundamentals of believing and the the ikar, ikar fundamental Mm -hmm. that I believe is so hard for us in our generation is the belief that Hashem loves me and that he is here for me and that he cares about everything in my life. It's not only about believing Hashem and his power. It's not only believing that Hashem is the creator of the world. It's about yes, belief- thank you for mention- mentioning. Yes, continue. Yeah. It's, about, it's about believing that Hashem loves me as his only child. Exactly. Actually, as his, as his dear, as his dearly beloved. That's what Anila Daudi Vadaidi Lida. We're in Elul here. That we are Hashem's dearly beloved. And as it, the Pasuk is taken from Shira Shirim, and the whole of Shira Shirim is there to teach us that we are Hashem's beloved wife. And even the Biala Rebbe in his, in his writings to Jewish women says that Hashem is the husband of Klal Yisrael. Right. And that we have to understand that Hashem loves us. Not just a little bit, but in the words of the Zohar, an incredible outpouring of love. If we would know, says the Zohar, how much Hashem loves us, we would go roaring down the streets. But Hashem hides it in the world so that we don't go out of our minds because we wouldn't know how to handle it if we actually knew how much Hashem loves us. But that's our 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 mission is to allow ourselves to really understand how deeply Kodesh Baruch Hu cares and loves us in order to be able to respond to that love and allow ourselves to love Hashem back. I'm so happy you mentioned that, that personal relationship and that love of Hashem. The Lubavitcher Rabbi also once said that Hashem loves each and every one of us like their only child. And that's only because we don't have any other way 
to express what that is. Like that's as close as we can get a parent who has only, who loves only, you know, he has only one child, but it's way beyond that. It's just, that's what we, you know, what we can grasp with our minds. Right. Uh, the Rafashim and Shurashirim say, and I know you're going to ask me something else, but I just want to interject something. Say that every human relationship is an analogy to our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Our primary relationship is with Hashem, but we have relationships in this lifetime in order to teach us about our relationship with Hashem. Yes, yes. And very, very um, uh, clearly uh, our, our spouses and our, and, and our children, right? Those right. relationships are key in teaching us about the relationship with Hashem. Right. Are you, some people are born with a more calm and more positive nature, even upbeat than others, which I guess in a sense gives them a, a, a little bit of a leg up. Are you one of those people? Were you born with a positive nature, would you say? Um, or you've built it, you build yourself? Well, as I did, as I did sort of reveal a little bit early is that I, I have a very vivid imagination. And so my <laughs> imagination could take me to all kinds of places. <laughs> I could be, I could be very miserable. And I used to be extremely anxious and stressed. Uh-huh. I used to be uh-huh. a horrible, incorrigible perfectionist. And my imagination would give me no, no peace. Um, and so I don't know if I was a happy composer. Maybe people would say that. Within myself, I was not happy, calm, and relaxed until I understood how to completely give up on perfectionism and how to embrace happiness as a means of achieving imuna and, uh, and that that's much more important. And my imuna and, and, and faith and connection to Hashem is way more important than the specific outcome of any one mm-hmm. aspect of my life. Right, right. So many women um, struggle with that, so many of us. Do, do you have any, getting per, a little bit personal here, do you have any habits, any practices that on a regular basis you do that help you keep that and, you know, keep yourself grounded, strong, joyful, nourish that imuna. Like take us to your, to your life every day. What, what is something that you can share with us that you practice that is helpful? Guided imagery. Okay. (gasps) There you go. What I mean is that the, the, the transformation took place within me because I began to practice guiding my mind to where I want it to go. And I have to tell you, I do not worry at all anymore. I used to worry tremendously. Mm. I do not entertain thoughts that are fearful anymore. I have trained my brain Brain. so that I just simply don't do that anymore. I don't feel guilty and I don't blame people or myself, even if I might do it for half a second or for half a minute, but very soon I'll be able to guide myself out of it. And so those practices of guiding my mind to where I want it to go, guiding my imagination to where I know Hashem would like me to take it and filling my mind with the positive thoughts that connect me back to Hashem and to the, the people that I want to love in my life, that, that, that really deals with it. And I practiced that, I would say, so much because my mind is very active. And so I really had to practice it a lot because otherwise I would just be the victim of wherever my Yitzhahara, my, my uh, you know, the negative inclination, <laughs> negative inclination would just take me to, and he had me, you know, by the throat. Right. Really. So that's you know, what I practice. You know, you'll appreciate this. I just, just recently heard this Shabbos and it came from somebody with a beautiful British accent also. And I <laughs> love this with my husband and I keep saying, and now we love it. He, the person said, 
the Abishter is a big Abishter. Hashem is a big, like we forget that he's so big. We forget. We don't need to worry. He has very big shoulders. He's a big Abishter. I love that. <laughs> it's true. And any problem that we're dealing with, however big it is, we always have to tell ourselves, Hashem is bigger than than whatever it is. Hashem is bigger than illness. Hashem is bigger than debt. Hashem is bigger than challenging uh, uh, children. Hashem is bigger than all of this stuff. Hashem is bigger than every issue that we have. Hashem is bigger than it. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. Yep, he is, and we we can lean on him. <laughs> he can handle right. it. <laughs> That's right. Another tool that I use constantly, and this is from the Torah's office of Slanim. He says that, ki adaber, I will impact yes. on my belief through speaking exactly. positively. And so when we allow ourselves to say things, even if we don't believe them fully yet, but we want to adopt that way of thinking, we want to adopt that way of living. Then if we talk it out to ourselves through saying such words as it's a big abish there with us, then it's going to impact on our belief. We're going to get to believe it more. A hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Chaya Hinda, I know that you, aside from your Jewish positive um, uh, workshops and all the other um, lessons that you give, I know that now you have something called Whispers to Sisters. Talk to us about that beautiful program. Um, I think it's to serve married women in particular. Um, I think I find it fascinating. Share that with us. So, Baruch Hashem, I have been privileged to be working very closely with Jewish women for, I would say it's close to 15 years now, um, impacting on their lives um, in a in a way which is on their inner growth, on their feelings, on how they work on themselves. And many women who are in challenging marriages want to work on themselves. They have, they have understood that for whatever reason, their husbands are challenged or they're limited or they're, they're having their own challenges. Mm-hmm. And rather than give up on them, they say they want the tools to cope with their challenge themselves. And so over the, over those, the period of those years, I sort of became aware of a, of a, a group of women. Again, they weren't a group, but they were individuals who, uh, women who are very bright, very savvy, um, extremely motivated to work on themselves and on their marriage and to be there for their families, extremely responsible, who simply were hiding from everybody what was going on within their marriage in order to protect their children and also protect their husband. And they were struggling and they were in tremendous amount of pain and very, very lonely. And since I was coaching them and helping them in their, in their personal life, and I I was in most cases, the only one that knew of their struggle because I was coaching them and how to respond and how to love unconditionally, how to protect themselves and put up boundaries in a healthy way, all kinds of tricks and tools that we developed together. Um, And so I became aware of these women and, at one time, one woman said to me, don't you have a support group? Isn't there a support group for women in situations like mine? And I said to her, you know what? I just am, I'm going to have to form one. And, and so I called and cajoled uh, the original group of women. And I begged them, please, please come. And each one did not want to come because each one did not want anybody else to know about the situation. It's an mm-hmm. extremely private and personal trial that they're, that they're, that they're in. But I want to I want to clarify we're not talking about abuse are we we're not talking about physical abuse okay um but if a husband is very depressed mm, yes. and he's angry, there, there, there may, his anger may border on emotional abuse, even though he is not trying to abuse his wife. Correct. Um, and so whilst we're not talking about overt physical abuse, but there could be behaviors 
that yeah. certainly mimic abuse, yes. emotional abuse, and women needed coping skills. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, and they didn't want to leave the husband, believing that the husband's going to get better, he's going to get help. And if, the, if they're strong enough, they're going to be able to to weather to weather it and the storm the truth, mm-hmm. so many situations this is the truth and there's a lot of good in their husbands that they're seeing and they don't want to leave them just because they're going through a hard time and suffering from depression and so they're acting out from their depression or whatever right. it is um or they're they're suffering from addiction or they're suffering from all di- all different kinds of uh unfortunately uh, negative behaviors but again there's always the hope that they're going to get the help that they need and they're going to improve and their women want to be there to support them through it and so i they did come together um, and that was two years ago. And then after one year of this initial group meeting, it was a live group that um, they benefited from sharing their resources. Each one brought to the group pearls of wisdom that she has acquired really from the front lines, you know, in how to maintain self-esteem in the face of a lot of being put down and a lot of negativity that, again, he, he didn't intend to do it, but right. because he was so down on himself, he wasn't able to give out any kind of positive reinforcement to his wife through, at that particular time. Um, and so every woman brought such amount of, of wisdom and understanding and then uh, peer counseling support to each other that the results were astounding. The women really valued what they were gaining from each other. And I, I understood that there were so many women around the world that I was, again, coaching as a result of finding them in my programs um, and helping them through their challenges and I understood that there really wasn't any other organization available to them and they were really suffering in, in silence in, in tremendous solitude and so after one year of this of this sort of pilot group I opened up a uh, a uh, an international teleconference group it's a free network really is what I'm calling it um, because what I want it to be is a network where women can share their the resources they found useful they yes. can share Wisdom, um, Baruch Hashem, we have been, we, we meet once a week on, on Thursdays for a half hour teleconference. Mm-hmm. And I give approximately once or twice a month and I have a writing, a therapeutic writing, uh, teacher, dear friend, Yechevet Rottenberg, who, who does what, uh, once a month or so. And we've also been graced by having Rabbi Greenwald and Robertson uh, Neustadt and Robertson Friedman, um, many different, and uh, Rav Tversky, many different important um, educators and people in the field who have been able to come and enlighten the women uh, in many different perspectives. And so that in and of itself has been a tremendous resource so that women can privately tune in. They don't have to speak up if they don't want other people to recognize their voice. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and we've set up a forum where everybody has a non like a not can anonymously share information. Um, I really want to expand the the network, and I my my dream is to be able to give every woman hours of counselling because they're so alone. They really need a tremendous amount of support. And Representative Moishat herself said that every woman who's in a challenging marriage needs an hour of at least a week of someone just to to hear her out. And, uh, you know, for years, that's just not an option for so many women because they don't have the funding. Sometimes the husbands are not capable of, um, of, of, crea- of creating a financial support base to be able to, to pay for such kind of therapy. Right. And so there are so many challenges in, in, in supplying that kind of need. But, and these women are day by day struggling and living, living in a lot of, um, 
in a lot of pain. And it's very misunderstood. My husband recently was trying to raise some money and people told him, oh yeah, this is a real niche market. And you know, this, I'm not your niche, meaning people were not really very interested in giving to this cause because they don't understand. In our generation, people said to me, why don't they just get divorced? Like, just get divorced. Mm. Yeah, it sounds easy. It sounds easy just to get divorced, but there's, there are all kinds of other repercussions. Divorce may solve some problems, but it could bring all kinds of other problems. And if he's a good man, if, right. if he's, if he's struggling right, right. now, right. uh, then why should she just abandon shit? Um, these women don't want to do that. They want to be there for their families, but they need support in order to be able to do, to be there for their husbands and children. And a husband who has the support of his wife has a much greater chance of becoming highly functional again. Right. If she backs out on him, then who's going to be there to support him? He loses the faith in himself. And so we want to be there to keep those women going strong in order that they can help themselves and in order that they can also be there for their husbands and children and enable them to, to continue on. And if we, if we tie this in with what we touched on before, Yael, Mm-hmm. that our relationships are are meant to help us in our relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. So these women, they're forced into understanding that if their husbands are not available temporarily to give them the kind of love and support that they would really need, and every woman needs love and support, then Hashem is still that source. That it doesn't mean that they are supposed to live without love, but it means that they have to turn to Hashem much more intensely. And Hashem doesn't want a woman to go without love. He wants these women to turn to Him. He wants these women to know that Hashem loves them and that he is the source of all love just as he's the source of all money as he's the source of all health he is also the source of all love and compassion and sharing and and that's why i specifically only invite women to join this network even though it's a free network who have been through my programs because the kind of chizuk the kind of encouragement that i try and share with the women is a lot of internal work that the women have to do within themselves and that kind of work demands a lot of um a lot of stick to itness, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's quite demanding. And so only women who've actually applied themselves and have gone through my program and have, and have you know, through that, um, through applying themselves, have proven themselves to be a person who is willing to put in the work and not just free wheel and complain about somebody else. Those are the women that I feel that I can work with and I can help. Have you seen so, success in the marriages in particular? Yes. Baruch Hashem, I have to say that one woman recently uh, contacted uh, me and, 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 and my, uh, my dear devoted coordinator, Devara, and she, she told us that that two, she said two years ago when she first began with my program, she said she wasn't holding in a place where she could be there to support her husband to the extent that he needed because she was so hurt and vulnerable herself. Mm-hmm. But that she feels that the help that she got over the, over the years and the tools that, that she was practicing have created a major shift and her husband is in a much better place. She's in a much better place. Oh, and sure. yeah. Baruch Hashem. So it, it made a very major difference in her life. And that's, that's definitely something that is being, I mean, it's only been one year since we've had this, um, beautiful, this particular organization up, but Be'ez Hashem, things are improving for women. Yes. You know, you know, I, this leads me to, this reminds me that we have a friend in common that told me that she herself through your positive thinking workshops was able to make new career choices and let go of things that were holding her back in her professional life. So I want to touch on that a little bit because I think I just want to make clear for listeners that when we're doing this kind of training with a person like you based on Torah, we really are affecting all sorts of areas, our professional life, uh, 
our parenting, our financial lives, our shalom bayit. I mean, do you have any stories of success in, in, in you know, in, in little areas like that that are not so little for people? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. There was one particular woman who came to me. She said that she recognize the nodes within herself that she has the qualities to to really be highly successful in corporate business she wants to run a, a major corporation mm-hmm. um, and she wants to to do it in a certain location and she really, she wants me to help her and coach her in how she can actually get into doing that um, and I have to say Baruch Hashem, within six months she sent me an email yeah I, I've landed my dream job wow. she, she was hired she was hired for a major corporation again for this is a religious woman with children who recognized this talent within herself and the drive that she had. And she said, I just really want to put it into practice. And I want to put the mental state that I need in my mind, rather than just doing, putting an effort, you know, technically, I want to have the mental state that can make it happen. And the trust, she wanted to have trust in the, in, in the Rabbi Shalom, in the Abish, she didn't, she want to feel I'm doing it for myself. But since Hashem gave me these strengths, I'm going to trust in Him to enable me to be able to run a major corporation whilst having the time and energy for my family, which was also part of her, uh, you know, part of what she, her dream and her goal. And Baruch Hashem, yeah, she was, she was successful. She was able to begin working in a major corporation with a kind of power that she needed. She needed to have a lot of major decision-making power in her hands and the ability to affect a lot of people and structure and, and work with a lot of people because she had those, she had those, those talents. And Baruch Hashem, she was able to, to put into practice. I'm so glad you mentioned specifically that example because I just think it's so important for us to remember that we all have a mission here and Hashem has given us certain talents. They're not meant to be self-serving, but rather we could do so much with them. Um, and sometimes we ourselves, our Yetzirah is holding us back. And and through doing this kind of work, we could actually, everybody's looking for a sense of purpose and mission. And we have, we can have that. Hashem wants us to live a lot higher, a little higher, a lot higher, you know, a, 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 right. a purposeful life. And um, it seems like this is key, this this work in Amunah and Bitachon and really strengthening those areas and beginning with our thoughts is very, very key here. I absolutely love it. Chaya Hinda, you're launching a new workshop um, uh, now that we are approaching the high holidays with Jewish workshops. Tell us about that program. I'm very excited about that. Um, for anybody who's not familiar with Jewish workshops, they do a tremendous, uh, beautiful job of really bringing top Torah scholars um, to provide online courses for people. It's just a phenomenal organization and you're going to be part of that. Tell us about this new program. Um, The main difference between my work with Jewish workshops and any other program that I've given is that it's a community, which means that it's, um, it's a group of women that are working together and we're going step by step through the journey. It's a journey of creating conscious living, using our minds the way that we want to use to create happiness, serenity, self-esteem, you know, to really go forward in life as a community. What's the difference is that when I create a program. Um, I create a certain amount of material that I want to go through and I, I give personal time to the women who are in the program. But I'm also, once I create that structure, I want to be able to give over the material that I've prepared. When I come to uh, towards the end of a class and women have questions and they want to cover other kinds of material, I have to say, that's not 
in this prospectus. You know, that's not actually going to be covered in this series. When I'm in a community and it's an ongoing series where we're, we're touching on topics that are of importance to the women who are listening and they're sharing with me their struggle and I can then re- respond with the material that they're thirsting for and I can answer the questions because I know that we have time because we're on a journey, we're on a boat together. Yes. We're on a beautiful, you know, journey. So I can take the time to create a mini series that answers specific questions that the women wanted to wanted to hear about. And then I'll create another mini series that answers the next questions that you want oh, to hear. I love it. So I- I'm constantly responding right to their questions. And that's very exciting for me because I feel that I can work together with the women and whatever's that, what, you know, how they're responding to the material that I'm sharing with them, the questions that then that brings up within them, right. we can respond. Right. And all we can all keep learning from that. Oh, I love it. So yes. ladies, we're going to have, I'm going to have more information on that. I'm going to have a way for you to access this community at a discount very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. Chaya Hinda, I want to wrap it up with okay. the best part of the show, at least beloved by my listeners. And that's the JLP fill in the blanks. This is a part of the show where I'm going to give you an open-ended statement and you're going to just answer it with the first thing that comes to mind. Don't overthink it. Okay. Okay. I'm Chaya Hinda Allen, and I feel most spiritual when? When I am sharing uh, sharing the words that Hashem gives me with women that want to hear them. Mm, beautiful. My favorite mitzvah, or one I feel most connected with, is? Sipisa Yeshua, hoping for the Yeshua, to understand the value of hoping wow. and what hope can bring. Wow, how beautiful. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is taking my my two smallest children and we went on the bus to B'nai Brak and we wanted to participate in the Shemitah uh, celebration that happens with the farmers at the end of Shemitah. And we ran around B'nai Brak trying to find the vans with the farmers that were going around Brene Brack and people were saying yeah, this way, this way. Finally, we caught up with the farmers and my children could see these heroes, the Shemitah farmers who had kept Shemitah for the whole year and they were, they were traveling along. And one of the farmers stopped and gave us a blessing on the streets oh. of Brene And my children were so thrilled. They were so thrilled with that blessing from the farmer. That was a beautiful Jewish man. Oh, that's so special. That's beautiful. Something I wished I had learned about Judaism growing up is? That teshuva is way more important than perfectionism. Oh, wow. (laughs) Teshuva is more important than perfectionism. I love that. Thank you for that. That's a new one on the show. (laughs) And so apropos to the time. Yeah. When I give tzedakah, I like to give to? I like to give of my time. I like to give to women who need help, and that's who I give to. Finally, I'm Chaya Hinda Allen, and today I'm most grateful for? I'm most grateful for all the love that's in my life, from all of the, uh, from my husband, my children, my family, my friends, and the truly I love the women that I um that I help that I share with and I feel a tremendous wave of love coming back towards me from them as well and I'm very very grateful for all of that in my life Baruch Hashem Chaya Hinda you are such an inspiration I am so happy that we got to connect and have this beautiful conversation everybody stay tuned for information on joining Chaya Hinda's community through Jewish workshops it's going to be phenomenal I really call a kabot to everything that you're doing I mean it's really just tremendous work and so needed and 
And I really know that you are bringing the redemption with all your work for Jewish women. Yael, it's a tremendous, it not only is it uh, an inspiration what you're doing, but it's a lot of fun too. And Good. I, Good. Yeah, a lot well, of fun. Fun is important. <laughs> fun is very important, people. Very important, as we said today on the show. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And so I, w- I wish you tremendous success. She should go from Chayel to Chayel, Be'ez okay. Hashem, and, and impact a lot of Jewish women with, with all that you're doing. Amen, amen. You should have a ketiva v'chatima tova. Amen. Thanks to Chaya Hinda Allen for stopping by. If you are motivated to make 5779 the year of self-growth in many areas of your life, I have good news for you. I have partnered with Jewish Workshops to offer you, the Jewish Latin Princess community, access to Chaya Hinda's online workshop and community, Living Consciously with Chaya Hinda Allen, at the discounted rate of $4.95 on your first month. You can check it out and sign up at the rate of $4.95 for the first month at www.jewishworkshops.com forward slash Chaya Hinda. You know you spend more than that at Starbucks. So try it out for a month, $4.95. And I have a feeling many of you are going to love it. Every month thereafter is $47 per month. So take advantage of this offer to learn for a month and see if this program is for you. www.jewishworkshops.com forward slash Chaya Hinda. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's back to school for many of us. And so if it is for you, I wish you much success. May the kiddos and you transition into your new routine smoothly and joyfully. See you here next time. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.